Um, oh, speaking of time, uh, I wrote this down because uh, we, we had originally planned on podcasting yesterday. Do you know when the landscaper showed up yesterday? You, you and the landscaper, CJ. 9.30 in the morning, like six hours later than they did last week. Or six hours earlier, I mean. Why don't they just have a schedule? Like, I'm sure Sammy Landscaper has a bunch of clients. Why don't they just do it in order? Oh, it makes no sense to me. Sorry. Um, anyways, basketball. <laughs> so, Analytics are, quote, the management of structured historical data and then the application of that predictive analytic model and utilizing that data and the use of those information systems to inform decision makers and enable them to help their organizations gain a competitive advantage on the field of play. That sounds like it would work. Here's my thing with you guys that are anti-analytics. You sound dumb. Not to get pissed off, but that, that whole thing about looking at a piece of paper and having that tell you how to call a football game is a freaking joke, in my opinion. That's why I watch tape. It's one thing to hire the kid out of the Ivy League school who's the numbers wonk. It's another thing to trust them. A lot of times they have the numbers, and the 30-year NFL coach says, yeah, that's good, but I'm punting on fourth and three. First of all, I've always believed analytics was crap. All these guys who run these organizations who talk about analytics, they have one thing in common. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get to the game. I think it's the more information, the better. It's filtering through that. You guys are sitting around talking the same old good body nonsense. Like we're selling jeans, like we're looking for Fabio. We got to think differently. It's a problem you think we need to explain ourselves. Don't to anyone. I think the question we should be asking is, do you believe in this thing or not? I do. What is up and welcome back to the Show Us the Data podcast. Greg, I want to say something. As always, this is one of your co-hosts, CJ, joined by Greg Harvey. That's not what I want to say. I was thinking about it today. Why didn't we go with show me the data instead of show us the data? I know there's two of us. But just as a name, why don't we go to show me the data? Because we're making a pun or a, a play on words off of show me the money. But nobody's ever said show us the money, even to describe a group. Why don't we go to show me the data? That's fair. I don't know. All right. Well, anyways, how are you doing? <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, school is kicking my butt, but I am definitely ready to take a break and talk some sports today. Hmm. Yeah, I get that. All right. So first thing you want to talk about was college basketball, correct? That's right. What everybody's here for in March. This is March. Uh, it's, you argued last week, it was one of the best times of the year uh, or the best time of the year. I said, cool it a little bit, but as always with college basketball, I like to take a look at the conferences. So for example, the big 12 still seems to be the, the deepest conference in terms of it having seven tournament teams, seven ranked teams in the top 25, 70% of the conference. Um, next highest would be the Big Ten. They fell down to only having five teams ranked. I believe Purdue went unranked, uh, which means that, but they still have the second highest ranked percentage as well at 41.67. And three of the top five are in the Big Ten. That's uh, a very large quantity, um, which means you might be looking at two one seats coming out of the Big Ten. Um, although who knows with Michigan's recent gap against Michigan State, I mean, their, their body of work might be strong enough to keep it. It's going to depend on the tournament. If uh, one of them gets bounced early between Illinois and Michigan, and who's the other one in the top five? Gonzaga? Ohio State, or did Ohio State fall down? Oh, crap. That's a, oh, Iowa. It's Iowa. Yeah. 
if one of them ba- uh, gets bounced early, then maybe we see them, you know, fall to a two seed. Somebody on that two seed line uh, comes up, maybe say in Alabama, if they uh, run the table, look good against Arkansas in a potential championship. But teams 10 through 13 are all big 12. So really, again, when we talk about that depth, that's where you're getting it is in that second line of teams. There's going to be a lot of one seeds in the elite eight or uh, two and uh, fellow three seeds in, in the Sweet 16 that are going to be tested uh, by some Big 12 teams. It's going to be interesting to see. I did, I've been thinking about this the last few weeks, and I finally went ahead and did it. It wasn't hard to do. I don't know why I waited so long, but I wanted to see what the highest ranked team to have one voter not rank them was, and then see what the lowest ranked team to have every voter rank them somewhere. Now, Greg, I have a question for you. Do you think that the highest ranked team to have one voter not rank them is ranked lower, meaning ranked better. So in this case, it'd be ranked higher, is ranked better than the lowest ranked team to have every voter rank them somewhere. Meaning 100% of voters voted for a team versus somebody left them off the ballot. Do you think that the higher ranked team falls into the one or more people didn't vote for them? Or do you think the higher ranked team falls into the everybody put them somewhere? I feel like because you just went on this whole like <laughs> uh, ordeal about it, I'm going to go with the not obvious pick. Um, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. So number 12, Oklahoma State. I, I forgot to write down who. One person did not put Oklahoma State in their top 25. Number 15, Florida State is in everybody's top 25. In fact, I believe uh, the lowest somebody had them was 21st. So uh, Florida State is somewhere between 8th and 21st on everybody's ballot. So just a little fun fact for you there. Maybe maybe it was a mistake. Like, you know, at the end of the college football rankings, there was a guy who put in Texas Tech in, like, the top five. I think he meant Texas A&M. Didn't oh, that really? happen? Didn't that no, happen? I remember at one point somebody forgot BYU and then had to change their ranking. And it was, like, not early in the season, but it was late enough to where, like, BYU was, like, pretty much around the top 10 in everybody's ranking, like in that 10 through 15. And so people were like, oh, this guy doesn't believe in BYU because they haven't played anybody. Um, They got really defensive. But no, I wasn't aware that somebody played. I'm I'm pretty sure sure Kyle Umlang put, like tweeted that at some point. Like like literally Texas Tech, like didn't even have a good season. Like not even top 25. Like it was just like, what? (laughs) That's pretty funny. So college basketball, what do you have? And then we'll get back. Yeah, to I mean, uh, I think it's always fun for me looking like I, I'm always trying to watch the championship games for like the mid-majors and, you know, like the smaller conferences. Um, and so far, uh, we well at the time over recording this episode, uh, five teams have uh, gotten their bid. And I'm going to just do a little tidbit about each one. So first one was Liberty, um, who actually got in because whoever they were playing in the finals weren't eligible yet to make the postseason. They're, they were making the transition. Um, but this is their fifth appearance in the tournament, uh, their first since 2018, 2019. And they only got past the first round, but that was that time. And it was against Mississippi State. Um, then the next one is Winthrop, who is in the Big South. This is their 11th appearance, their first since 2016, 2017. And again, they only got past the first round once, and that was in 2007 when they beat a number six Notre Dame team. Um, then the big one that everyone's been following, 
Loyola Chicago out of the Missouri Valley Conference. This is their seventh appearance. Their first since the 2017-2018 Final Four run that everyone remembers as a number 11 seed, um, which was tied for the lowest seed um, to ever make the Final Four. And I don't know if you know this, but they also won the national championship in 1963, a long, long time ago. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, next one up is Moorhead State out of Ohio Valley. Uh, this is their eighth appearance, their first since 2010, 2011. And, and during uh, then... They uh, were a number 13 seed, and they beat number four Louisville that year. Uh, the next one is UNC Greensboro out of the Southern Conference. This is their fourth appearance, first since the 2017, 2018 season, and they've never won a tournament game, so look out for them to get their first this year. And then Appalachian State uh, upset Georgia State, actually, the other day in the Sun Belt Conference. Nice. Uh, their third ever appearance and their first since 1999-2000 season. And they also have never won a tournament game. So look out for those two schools when, uh, you know, picking a picking a fun upset. Yeah, UNC Greensboro is not bad this year. I, uh, I've been making picks pretty much daily right after, you know, I wake up shortly thereafter and I get on get on the internet for the first time of the day I, I usually go in and I'll make some picks on tallysite.com uh, it's where all the analysts are these days um, and so That's I'll right. go in there uh, I'll go in there and I'll make picks and I feel like UNC is always a favorite UNC Greensboro that is I feel like they're always a favorite so at the very least in their small pond they're a big fish this year so maybe this is the year That's right. That's right. that first one I do want to clarify Liberty also did end up winning their conference um, they punched yeah, their team yeah. early but um, I did just want to clarify, they didn't get in uh, strictly because North Alabama hadn't already played. They did end up getting in the old-fashioned way uh, as well. Um, yes. One thing I want to talk about, you're looking for that first-round upset. I'm looking for what makes a champion. Now, we always talk about Ken Palm. We will. Don't worry. One thing I do want to talk about is, as we head towards Selection Sunday, who is the most likely team to win? Now, you want some stats here. Past 19 champions have been in the top 20 in defensive efficiency, and 18 of the past 19 have been in the top 20 in offensive efficiency, with UConn in 2014 as the lone outlier. They were 39th that year in offensive efficiency, so still really good, still almost yeah. the top 10% of the 340 or 350-some-odd teams there were in 2014. Is that the Kemba Walker year? Uh, it, ooh, Is that a different, different UConn year? That might be the Shabazz Napier year, because Kemba Walker was before then, because... Kemba went up against, like, he ended up going up against Kawhi Leonard at one point. I don't feel like Kawhi Leonard was 2014. I feel like Kawhi was in the late. Kawhi was way earlier, yeah. I want to say Kemba was, like, 2011, maybe. Isn't that when he, like, had, like. 2011, I was right. Oh, my goodness. Isn't it, isn't it, didn't he, like. Go ahead. Didn't he have, like, that fourth, third overtime, like, half-court shot or something? Was that Kemba or was that. No, that was a different game. That was that was in the AAC like a, against Cincinnati in 2004. Was that the AAC wasn't a thing back in 2011? Right. So it was a different player who did that. But yeah, yeah, Kemba was in the league by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm mixing my ears up, but so anyway, okay. that so first thing I wanted to look at. So I wrote down all the top 20 teams for both of them, teams 21 through 39 on offense, guess what? I'm not going to read them all. Um, you're welcome. Good. <laughs> but what I am going to give you is the teams that fit the criteria for top 20 in both, and then the teams that fit the criteria for top 20 in defense and top 39 in offensive efficiency. 
want to give a shout out to the fifth quarter affiliate for Navy. They sent this into our AAC group chat and then I amended it um, because I sent it a few days ago and uh, things have changed since they last played. Teams have fallen out of the top 20, fallen out of the top 39, et cetera, or come into the top 20. So to give right. you, there are three teams that fit both. Do you know who they are, Greg? I think you'll get two. Uh, Michigan? No. No. Gonzaga? Correct. Uh, Baylor? Correct. I don't think you're getting this last one. Uh, Loyola? No, no, they're in the top 10. Vill- no. It's Iowa? Houston. No. Houston. It's Houston. Houston, Houston out of the American. Yeah, which makes sense because when you watch Houston, they almost remind me of like Virginia from like three or four years ago. Like not quite the Virginia that lost in the first round to UMBC, but like the Virginia that like is pretty consistently getting to the Sweet 16, but then ultimately ends up running into a hot team. Um, they don't play fast. They're pretty efficient on offense. They're incredible at rebounding, uh, which is part of the reason why I think their defensive efficiency is so great. Um, but they're, they're a tough team. They're going to be a tough out, but I don't know if they have the makeup to make it all the way, but this says that they do. Now, teams that fit the UConn outlier of top 20 in defense and top 39 in offensive efficiency. At one point, Texas Tech, USC, uh, who else was on this list? A couple of teams like that, like teams that I was surprised to see in that outlier, they are no longer there. There's three of them. Uh, you mentioned one in Loyola, Chicago. You mentioned another in Winthrop. And then San Diego State is the final one there kind of sliding under the radar as a top 20 team they've been in the top 25 for the last like couple of weeks and I feel like uh, the college basketball landscape as a whole is not talking about San Diego State even though they would be a shoo-in for an at-large bid even if they end up losing in the Mountain West uh, conference championship at some point right so I, uh, I found that pretty interesting um, so yeah I mean there were a couple of teams that uh, I found interesting to see in one but not the other uh, for example, let's see, uh, there was Arkansas is in that 21 through 39 range on offense, but not on defense, which I found interesting because they're number eight in the country. And pretty much all of these teams are in here somewhere. Like the top 10 are in here somewhere in the top 20, I should clarify. Villanova is even in the top 10 in offense, although, or top 20 in offense. Although I imagine with the season ending injury of Connor Gillespie, they probably are not going to. Yep. Not that's, gonna make it. That's gonna be one. That's gonna be one of my teams that doesn't make it far. That's, I have a, yeah. That's one of your teams not that. making it far. Um, but like Michigan's nineteenth in offensive efficiency. I was surprised a that they were that low, and then b um, that they didn't at least fit the UConn outlier in any way. Um, yeah. There were a couple of teams between Iowa and Michigan. Those were probably the two though that I'd say I was most surprised they didn't either fit the criteria or the UConn outlier. Um, but that's pretty much. Uh, what I have on making a champion. I did have some more on Ken Palm. Um, it's it's interesting how how consistent that you know metric has been though. Yeah. Well, that was there's Relatively. another one where it's like uh, three. It's either three pointers per game or three point efficiency. When like everybody, when Duke with R.J. Barrett and Zion, like fifty something percent of ESPN brackets had Duke winning it all. And a lot of the people that were like into the numbers of it all were like, listen, Duke's like a 50, 50 shot to get to the sweet 16, like depending on who they get in the second round, like, and we almost saw them lose to UCF. Um, and it was should've, should've, should've like, lost. <laughs> part of the reason is that they couldn't shoot the ball. Like they were exciting, 
they were great in transition, but it was like they just had a team of Ben Simmons out there. And like, sure, it's dynamic in transition, pretty good, you know, all around playmaking ability. But when it comes time to shoot the ball down the stretch, they just couldn't. And that's another one that has held pretty consistent these last like 20 years or not even 20, but like these last five or six years, like every team to make the final four is at least in the top 100 or top 150 in three point efficiency. And Duke mm-hmm. was like eighth to last or something that year. Interesting. Well, speaking of Duke, they actually just secured the 10th seed in the ACC tournament. They're playing today, um, but it's the worst seed that they've ever had in the ACC tournament. And it's their first season without a winning conference record since uh, 2007. Um, and I think the only way that Duke makes the tournament this year is with the big ACC tournament run, uh, probably make the finals and possibly probably have to win the finals um, as they're only they winning. Win. Um, but excluding last season, uh, because there was no tournament, uh, Duke has the second longest active streak of NCAA tournament appearances just behind Kansas, who's at 30 right now. Um, and that's the third longest NCAA history. So their game will be played today, Tuesday, uh, March 9th at 4.30. So hopefully they don't lose to Boston College or that uh, – that streak is definitely over. Yeah, by the time people are hearing this, this game will be over. We are recording this Tuesday, 2.30 Central, 3.30 Eastern, 8.30 uh, for those of you in, in Greenwich, England, or United Kingdom. It's it's 8.30 p.m. GMT where I am, um, and you will be hearing this Wednesday afternoon, of course, or evening. Ken Palm. Clip uh, rest, that out. <laughs> Ken Palm, rest in peace, Mississippi State, uh, Valley State. They're not going to be the worst team of all time. They play Wednesday the 10th at 8.30 p.m. Uh, I believe Central uh, is what ESPN defaults to for me since I'm in Central. Um, it's likely their final game of the season. Hopefully it's their final game of the season. If they upset 14-4 and four, Prairie View A&M, they might end up with a decent Ken Palm ranking after all. <laughs> they might end up you know, third to last in college basketball instead of dead last, and we can't have that. Uh, it looks like they have locked up second to last of all time. This will be your final. No, that's not true. This will be your second to last update on Mississippi Valley State. Once we know the outcome of the SWAC conference tournament, or that's redundant, the SWAC tournament, once we know the results of that, we will provide, and by we, I mean I will provide you with the final result of Ken Palm. But it looks like they are way I'm out gonna, of that. I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to try and watch that game if it's on TV for me. It definitely won't be. It'll be on ESPN Plus, so if you need my login, let me know. I got, I got that. I got that. Okay, good. So... One thing I do want to say, Prairie View A&M, 34 Ken Palm efficiency points better. I don't know if each efficiency point is supposed to be roughly one point as a favorite, but that would be hilarious if Prairie View A&M were 34-point favorites. Although I don't think so, because then that would imply that Gonzaga was almost 80-point favorites over Mississippi Valley State, and that kind of takes the fun out of it, because there's no way they'd be 80-point favorites. Uh, Then I guess the only other thing (laughs) in terms of Ken Palm – uh, Gonzaga's way ahead now, especially after Michigan's loss. Uh, Baylor did pass Michigan. Baylor's back in second, but it, it now looks like where we used to think it was 1A, 1B. It's now 1 and then 2A, 2B. Uh, let's see. And then just a reminder for Greg's uh, bet that we made of you got to pick six teams. Could have had seven, but he said, nope, I'll roll with six. I'll go ahead and put my money yeah, where my mouth Didn't have to do it. He said he wanted the top six of Ken Palm when I could have given him Illinois at seven. Now, now he's looking pretty silly because he has Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Houston, Villanova, and Iowa. So that's teams uh, one, two, three, six, ten, and four. So 
you know, you still got five of the top six, according to Ken Palm. So you got a decent can't, can't be a I would, can't I be would a play like a 30% chance right now. Probably yeah. more. Probably more. Probably there's like 55. There's there's a lot of good teams out there that I'm definitely worried about making a run, but yeah. I'm hoping sure. Illinois I'm hoping Illinois isn't that one. <laughs> yeah, because Illinois is the team you could have had and then you chose not to. I believe they are five right now in Ken Palm. So could have had them, but you chose not to. So that's that's what I've got on college basketball. Do you have anything else? Yeah, I mean, just talking about Baylor for a second, um, I actually posted this on my stats account the other day, but um, the Baylor finished the regular season at 21-1. and one. Uh, They claimed their first Big 12 regular season title. Um, it's Baylor's first regular season title since 1950, so a long time. And no matter what happens in the Big 12 tournament or the NCAA tournament, they're going to finish with their best uh, winning percentage since 1911-1912. Uh, that season they finished 13 and 0, but they are independent. So they're going to have their second best winning percentage in school history this season, no matter what happens, which is pretty awesome for the, uh, the Baylor basketball program. Yeah. Shout out coach Drew. He really turned that program around when he got here, there was a whole, it was just a whole heap of issues and he turned it around. It's now, you know, multiple all Americans, potential lottery picks, maybe who knows? Yeah, for sure. You're building a program there in Waco. They don't just have a good team. They have a great program, and that's always big. Yeah, so enough, enough with college basketball. We're going to smoothly transition into professional basketball in the NBA. Um, I'm like just going to talk – I'm going to talk a little bit about the NBA All-Star game. I'm, I'll be honest. I'm never, like, a huge fan about the NBA All-Star game. It's very lax defense. Like, you, you get a show, right? You get the fun dunks, the, you know, the logo, logo shots from – Steph and Dame. Dame. Yeah. The yeah. This this time we saw Dame hit a hit a quote unquote game winner. I don't I don't know if you can really call it that. Yeah, I mean, did he make the shot and then win the game as a result of making the <laughs> shot? Yeah, it's a game winner. Listen, yeah. Greg, here's my deal with you. Oh, they don't play defense in the all-star game. You gotta appreciate it for what it is. It's like you kids these days watching all these home runs in baseball going back in my day. You got a runner on first, you bunted him over, and then you hit an infield, uh, you hit a ball through the infield, and then he scored, and you were up one nothing. And you tried to do that a few more times, and you won a baseball game four to two. And it's just not the way it is anymore, you know? It's true. true. The game is different. You just got to appreciate it for what it is. You just got to sit back and go, wow, this is really exciting to watch. Oh, yeah. I think think the best thing, I, I did peek at it a little bit, but the best thing was seeing Steph and LeBron on the same team, um, Never happened before. So, but just some stats from the game. Uh, Giannis uh, had a hundred percent field goal. He was sixteen for sixteen uh, with what was it, thirty-five points? Yeah. Um. So, uh, and basically that was the best performance out of any player in the All Star game. No, it wasn't. Steph Curry had a better performance than than Giannis did. Giannis had a better statistical performance. Here's statistical thing, performance. You didn't watch the game. You and you numbers nerds that don't watch the game and appreciate <laughs> and appreciate what's going on out there. Let me tell you. I've hit the, tr- the trigger the button, game. folks. <laughs> you you guys trying to win games on spreadsheets don't understand what wins games. What Steph did out there was incredible. Giannis on a couple of his threes had to bank him in because his three is so bad that he missed the room by <laughs> It was so funny much. though. It was so funny. He would look at it and he'd be like, no way this goes in. And it did. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, for one, appreciate a little more technical ability. And, and for that, Steph brought it. Steph was five for eight from three, I believe, just shooting from the logo, just pulling up in absurd situations. He started out like something like three for three or two for three on like corner threes. I was like, oh, he's just going to shoot like 12 for 15, just shoot corner threes. Just prove that like that 100 in a row that he made in practice was not a fluke. Like he's just going to do that all game. And then all of a sudden he just started coming off the dribble from halfway between the logo and the three point line. And after he had, you know, tested those waters, decided, you know what? I'm not even going to cross half court. I'm basically not even going to cross half court when I shoot this next one. Yeah. He was the MVP of the all-star game. I'm just glad, you know, that we, like, we still need a three point contest when Steph Curry participates. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. Three for seven. It's not like a guarantee when he's out there. It's basically like his odds of making a three-pointer. That's fair, but I feel like, I don't know. He just does so well in those three-point contests. Like, was, has he won, like, the past few? I don't I don't. I don't no, he's won three of seven in his career. Three of seven. Well. But that's all right. What I do want to talk about with Steph Curry, smooth transition, is I want to talk about Peyton Pritchard and how he compares to Curry as a rookie. Now, this is a rough comparison when you look at the numbers because they don't really compare. But will I, where I will compare Pritchard, along with Curry and Magic, is per 100 possessions, Magic averaged five turnovers, Curry averaged four, Pritchard 2.6. All right. Now, granted, he's not their number one option. He's not their main facilitator when he's out there, but still worth noting. Offensive rating, Curry 107, Magic 113, Peyton Pritchard 115. Defensive rating, Magic, 101. What was he even doing on defense? It was a rookie, Magic. Uh, Curry, 111. Pritchard, 116. Reminder, 100 is average. So as a rookie, Magic, an average defender, I believe 15 is one standard deviation uh, for rating. So Pritchard is one standard deviation better uh, in offense and just over one standard deviation better in defensive rating. So shout out to him. He's, he's doing his thing out there. Hey, the, the Celtics, the Celtics pushed past the Knicks, I saw. So I know we went from completely hopeless to the four seed in like two games. <laughs> so East, bad. East, man. East. So bad. And and I know, I know, I know we were talking about the East, um, and how, you know, we or at least how I thought basically whoever wins the West, that's it, you know. But now then I'm gonna talk a little bit about the Nets. The Nets, the Nets are doing well now. Mm. They've won 10 out of their last eleven. Mm-hmm. adding Blake Griffin and I know Griffin is definitely on his decline um and then I also saw on Twitter that Allen Robinson the Bears wide receiver uh was a source that Andre Drummond is going to sign with the Nets which is kind of funny like I people people are roasting the crap out of him but I mean if that actually happens that's going to be huge because Andre Drummond's actually would would be a really big piece for them um, but right now the Nets are on pace for the best offensive rating in their entire franchise history. They currently lead the league in points per game. They're uh, at, at 121.1 points per game. Uh, team hasn't finished with 120 plus points per game in a full season since the 84-85 Denver Nuggets. So it's been a really long time. Uh, to be fair, though, the Nets have played in a couple overtime games, which probably help, but we'll see. Uh, but the problem is their defense is is pretty trash. Uh, right now, they're the second worst scoring defense in the league, and they allow the second most field goals per game. So hopefully, with the Blake Griffin 
and possible Andre Drummond, their defense is going to get better. We'll see. I don't know. Like I said, Griffin seems like to be on his decline right now. Um, and then just one more piece about the Nets. Uh, you know, everyone's talking about the big three, Harden, Duran, and Irving. Um, but the crazy thing is they've only played seven games together uh, so far this season and six where they all started. Uh, the first two games they played together, they uh, they went 0-2, include, including that uh, that double overtime game versus the Cavs. I don't know if you remember that. Um, mm-hmm. But since since that 0-2 start together, they've been 5-0 and uh, in, in all games played since. So, and, you know, it's been a while since they've played together. Uh, Durant's out right now, so... It'll be interesting when they have a healthy full squad. I think they definitely could compete with with whoever comes out of the West. I know. I know. Last week, I was, I was a you know, East sucks. You know, no one's coming out of that winning a championship. But the Nets, the Nets do look really good right now. Yeah, I mean, the Nets look good. Uh, the Sixers have a good record. Uh, I don't think they look good, but they have a good record. So maybe this is the year they finally put it together. I feel like we've been saying for the last four years, like the Sixers are built well but are they really uh they're not built to last in the playoffs that's that's the key yeah they're, they're not like built. the oakland a's they're built for the regular season but who knows one thing that i always love to do the 50 40 90 watches back and i have improvised or i've improved that would be the correct word i've improved on the 50 40 90 watch don't worry i'm not going to go through okay so this guy has the free throw but not the three but he does have the field goal and this guy is missing two of the three no 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 so here's what i did I just went through my classifications for this list. I looked at everybody with it, with all of these things, 47% from the field, 86% from the free throw line, 38% from three. And then because 49.35% of all NBA games have been played, I looked at 49%. I set that as the minimum shot attempts total for each of the requirements. Remember 300 shots from the field, 82 three-pointers and 125 free throws. So if the season ended today, nobody has met all the minimums and at the 50, 40, 90 mark yet. But there are 10 names to watch that fit that classification. Figure 10 names is manageable. I found the classification list that gave us a manageable number, but still gives us enough people that we're in striking distance for. So first things first, Steph Curry. He needs 2.2% more on his field goal percentage. Durant is... Uh, 3% behind on free throws. He hasn't played in a while, though. Irving, 1.3% on free throws. Went back up on three, so that's good. Jokic, 2% on free throws. Kawhi, 2.7% on free throws and 1.3% on threes. He looked good in the All-Star game shooting the threes. He had the, he had the stroke down, so maybe he carries that over. Paul George, 0.1% on the field goals and 1.2% on free throws. Chris Middleton, half a percent on field goals, another 1.5% on free throws. Tobias Harris, he's about a percent short on free throws. Norman Powell, a percent short on field goals and 0.1 on free throws. He's basically there. And then Chris Paul, about a percent and a half on field goals, about a percent on three. So basically, we have a bunch of guys. Most of them, it's free throws or field goals. Something that I did find interesting is that everybody on this this list had 300 field goals and 82 threes already knocked out. So I found that interesting um, because it shows that the NBA is – their, their best performing shooters um, are also the people that are taking a lot of shots. Um, it right. doesn't necessarily mean they're taking the most shots, but it means they're taking enough shots that they would qualify for the 50, 40, 90 list. And all of them are 70% of the way there on free throws. 
Um, eight of the 10 already have them all. Chris Paul is like, Chris Paul is the, the one bringing up the rear. Norman Powell has like 90% of them. And then Chris Paul is 70%. Everybody else has them, um, which is interesting because like Tomas Sadoransky, uh, we've mentioned him the last few weeks. He's fallen off the list entirely because he is not getting to the line enough. He's not even close uh, anymore uh, to be on track for it. I mean, he's like a quarter of the way there and half the season's already gone by. So right. he's officially off the list, even though I believe he's only like half a percent away on free throws. So that's the 50, 40, 90. I like to, I like to keep track of that just because we've had a few seasons in the last, you know, five or six years that are 50, 40, 90. That's always a big deal. Um, so yeah, that's just, that's all I wanted to talk about this week. I took the, the NBA segment to talk about my two favorite things, Peyton Pritchard and the 50, 40, 90, the recurring segments. That's right. Yeah. See, I haven't, I haven't fully, you know, put my fandom in the Knicks yet. So maybe, maybe when I do, I'll, I'll do a segment about them, you know, All right. we'll see. We'll see. Um, but with that, we're going to, uh, we're going to bring up NHL for the first time on the show. Um, we haven't really discussed it and mainly I'm going to be talking about my hometown team, the Tampa Bay lightning. Uh, they're, the uh, reigning champs, and uh, right now they're looking good again. They're currently sitting at the top of the newly formed Central Division uh, with the 17-4-2 and two record, um, and they, they have the best point percentage in the entire NHL right now. Um, so we look at the stats. Currently, they, they lead the entire NHL at 3.61 goals per game, and then they only allow uh, 2.04 goals per game. Both are best in the entire NHL. Uh, resulting in a 1.57 goal margin per game. So they're scoring goals basically double almost what they're allowing, which is pretty incredible. Uh, also, uh, a big thing that matters in, in hockey is the power play, and the Lightning are really good on both sides of the power play. Uh, on offense, they're fifth in power play percentage at 28.75, and then on defense, they're third in the penalty kill at 87.65. Um, they're the only team right now ranked in the top five of both sides of the power play. And then now we look at the analytics when it comes to the, the possession of quality for the Lightning. So interesting enough, during five-on-five five play, uh, the Lightning have expected goals of 22.5, which is 19th in the league, so they're not really good. And their expected goals allows was 28.2, which is the ninth worst. So analytically their expectations are low uh this stat is based on where like the shots are coming from compared to the league average um but however their actual goal difference in five on five play is plus 22 which again best in the nhl um but what's crazy is they lost their best scorer best scorer excuse me and nikita kucherov for the regular season uh he's been the lightning's top scorer each of the past five seasons i have his jersey he's definitely one of the best guys in the lightning and has been for a while However, they have depth, and they've always had depth. Uh, so far in this season, through 23 games played, they have 21 different guys with 160 minutes of ice time. They have 17 different guys at the goal and 23 different guys at the point, including goalie Andre Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky does have an assist on a goal. Um, right now, two of their top five point leaders are Victor Hedman and Mikhail Sergeyev, who are defensemen. And Hedman leads the team with 24 points, which is pretty rare. You don't ever have a defenseman leading your team in points. But because, like I said, Kucherov is out, Hedman's stepping up. Another reason why the 
Sterling have been so good. They have the best goal in the league right now. Maybe I'm biased, but right now he leads the league in goals saved above average at 17.3. He's also pacing for career bests in goal average against at 1.73 and a, a save percentage at 93.9. He's been a Vizina finalist, uh, finishing the top three each of the last three seasons, including winning it in the 2019 season. And then just one final thing about the Lightning and, and their head coach, John Cooper, uh, since coming on, in his first full season coaching the team in 2013-2014, the Lightning have had the best winning percentage at 65.7%, which is pretty crazy um, since being – that's like probably around the time I started becoming a fan um, around the teenage years. And the Lightning have been consistently good. I mean, they've won 65.7% of the regular season games, and they also have the highest goal differential at plus 357. So they've been, they've been winning games, but they've been – and winning games at a high level too. Um, during that span for Coach uh, Cooper, the Lightning have made the Cup twice. Uh, they won it last season, and then they also lost to the Blackhawks a few years ago. And the only other team to make the Cup twice in that span was the Penguins, who actually beat the Lightning both times in the Eastern Conference Finals. So I know that was a long run about my team, but the Lightning are doing really well. Um, yeah, that was just some stuff about it. Yeah, I mean, in the... I, I want to say one thing about the lightning that I feel like is going that you didn't mention that I feel like you should is that they're doing really well in a really stacked division. I mean, the central is at least in terms of points. I mean, the Bruins are third in the East, but if they were in the central, they'd be fifth. So, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of crazy. I don't know if you would say stacked because I feel like the central maybe like has, non-traditional yeah yeah uh, like, no, I think... non-traditionally good like the carolina hurricanes the florida panthers like those aren't like those aren't hockey areas no i think i think the big the big thing coming into the season is the lightning were going to move into an easier division i mean usually they play against the bruins the penguins all these teams in the east but they basically they were like the one team that didn't qualify for the east i guess we weren't east enough who knows whatever we got put in the central division which is definitely a lot easier yeah, I mean, because it does make a little bit more sense in terms – like, it made sense when it was the Atlantic because y'all are on the Atlantic, right? Isn't right. Tampa Bay on the Atlantic? Or is it in the Gulf? I have no idea. I don't know my Florida geography. I'm sorry. Yeah, like, Atlantic. When you look That's at some right. of the other teams in the Central, like Florida, Carolina, even Chicago, like, you're closer there than Boston, you know? Yeah, well, again, I think it's because the East is just – I don't know. Yeah, the furthest, south, the, the furthest south the East gets is Washington. Yeah, I really don't know how they exactly they came up with the. Um, I think the, east really means northeast, but they already have a north, so they can't call it north and northeast. So they just went northeast, southwest. Oh no, they did northeast, central, west. Yeah, yeah. Either way, right. either way, either way. Uh, one thing I am concerned about: Bruins not looking good in their last ten, uh, four, five, and one. Uh, that's not good. I mean, they started out pretty hot. You know, a nice little nine, one, and two start for the kids. Uh, I liked when when I saw that we were nine two and one, and then we went ahead and you know have have uh, not been playing well as of late. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I got a notification a few days ago. Halak had a pretty good game. He pitched a shutout uh, behind the or in front of the net. But I don't I don't follow hockey enough to know. Like I don't know where to get resources for it in terms of stats. I know Stathead is the place to do it. That's where we get all of our stats from. But I don't know. I mean, part of part of what makes this difficult is you need to know what you're looking for. 
I think that's yeah, one, yeah, that's one sure. misconception when it comes to stats. People just go, oh, well, you just look at your numbers. Anybody could do that. You know, you need to have touch. Like, you need to know what you're looking for. Uh, there's this misconception that stats uh, make the game very rigid, but I actually think that stats open up the game to flexibility, um, which is a, a tangent in a, a, a mini sidebar. But for sure. Anyways, I don't for know sure. what to look for in hockey, uh, which is why you are a hockey correspondent in a sense, if you will, because you know a little bit more about what to look yeah. for. Yeah, no, I th- and I think I think analytics are are becoming to play a bigger role in, in hockey. I feel like they're they're kind of behind on that per se, but they're definitely trying to catch up now. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't personally speak for uh, the hockey analytic community or the hockey analytics community. Um, I do know that I believe it's called Hockey Graph or Hockey Graphs. I believe that's that a pretty. Cool. I believe that's a pretty good one. Um, the the team who won the big data bowl for the NFL this year. Um, one of, I, I don't know if she's like the captain or if she's like, or if she was just the forward facing member of the team. I don't, I don't know how to exactly to word it, but um, I follow her on Twitter and I know that she's the managing editor over there or one of the editors over there. Hey everyone, CJ from the editing room, just uh, wanted to jump in and make sure I do a quick little point of clarification. She's actually the editor-in-chief, uh, and you can find her on Twitter at Ozma underscore Toomey. That's A-S-M-A-E underscore T-O-U-M-I. Nice. So that's how I know about that, uh, about hockey graphs. Um, but I believe that that's one of the preeminent places. So if you are listening to this because you love data and you like hockey and you didn't know about it, I don't know how you could... I feel like the Venn diagram of people that like hockey analytics and are listening to this podcast it's going to be a perfect circle in terms of people that know about uh, hockey graphs. I feel like that's, it's like me talking about Ken Palm and basketball. It's like, yeah, everybody that likes basketball knows about Ken Palm. Um, But if you don't in the, in the unlikely event that you don't uh, the work they're doing over there, I would imagine is pretty good. Um, That's about as good as I am at giving shout outs for things I don't know about is I'm sure it's good. So, and while we're talking about uh, things that we're not so sure about, Greg, you've uh, said that your golf game is not, uh, you're not too sure about your golf swing. So I have some golf facts for you. So Phil Mickelson has fallen out of the top 100 in world golf ranking. And it's the first time since 1993. That means he stayed in the top 100 for a record 1,425 weeks. That's a lot of weeks. So I did a look back at 1993. First and foremost, I was seven years away from being born. So to the people out there that were alive in 1993, uh, that will make you feel old. Uh, Do you have any idea of some of the popular songs from that year? 1993. I feel like, that's like right, like good R&B era. Mm. I have a Dr. Dre song on here. Nothing But a G Thing came out in 1993. Nothing But a G Thing. I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston came out in 1993. Whitney Houston, okay. And Woomp There It Is came out in 1993. Woomp <laughs> There uh, It Is. Do you, you know the top movies of 1993? The last time Phil Mickelson was not ranked in the top 100. Do you know oh. what the top rated movies were back when movie theaters existed? <laughs> back when you went to the movies. Jeez. Uh, Harry Potter. Did Harry Potter come out yet in 1993? No, I believe that was like early was like 2000s. Late, I think late 90s was the first movie. Um, yeah, I think 99 was when The Sorcerer's Stone came out. No, so the original Jurassic Park, the OG Jurassic OG Park. OG Jurassic Park. Okay. I believe that's... it was the OG Jurassic Park. 
the the top grossing was a Jurassic Park. I believe it was the original. It would have just been one extra click for me to confirm that. I didn't do that when I was researching, but I believe it's the OG. Schindler's List came out in 1993. Another really good movie. Doubtfire came out in 1993. Mrs. Doubtfire? Mm-hmm. Dude, I love that movie. Such a good I've movie. I've never seen it. Such a good movie. All right. I would I'll recommend it. On, on my top 100. On my top right. 100. I wouldn't even know where to begin with the top 100. Uh, <laughs> it's just like Moneyball and then two through 100. Um, which even Moneyball has a lot of historical inaccuracies like they just want us to yeah. believe that chad yeah Rapp for sure <laughs> got Hatterberger, the reason they won 102 games and not the fact that they had pena and zito and Mulder. And but anyways that's neither here nor there uh philadelphia came out in 1993 sleepless in seattle those were the five movies that i wrote down just names that i had heard they were up for oscars they came out in 1993 friends didn't even exist yet as a show I'm sure it was being pitched behind the scenes at, right. at NBC. Um, it, it, that's the quintessential 90s show. Didn't even exist yet. Do you know which top shows were going on in the 90s? Dude, I feel like I don't know any 90s shows. Home Improvement, moving right along. Uh, we're in the middle of the runs of Seinfeld. And I guess you- Okay, that makes, first, that makes sense, actually. First run for Roseanne. Um, although it didn't really have a second run. It just kind of had a second airing. Uh, and then Frasier is just premiering. I don't believe I ever lived in a world where Frasier existed, and I've never seen Frasier. And it would it had just premiered when Phil Mickelson was first. Uh... <laughs> also, the the most surprising thing: CBS was showing movies every Sunday night. When I think about them doing that, I think of that like, oh, my parents grew up in an era where CBS Sunday movie night was a thing. No, 1993, they were still doing it. It was one of the top rated things was the CBS movie of the night on Sundays. Um, wow. Tuition at Harvard, $23,514. And public universities, I just checked Rutgers as my reference, roughly $10,000 a year for an in-state student. That's a reasonable tuition for college. That's, that's per year or? Uh, yes, yeah, per year, not per semester. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then the wealthiest person in the world was Yoshiaki Susumi with a net worth of $9 billion. We'll talk about net worth in a little bit um, because like I did for 1990. (laughs) I think someone has passed that. (laughs) Uh, Yes, people have certainly passed that. (laughs) Hundreds of times, not hundreds of times over, but tens of times over. Yeah, no, for sure. The other reason, or the reason why I mentioned that is because I also did uh, something a little similar for... Indiana extending their head coach Tom Allen to a seven-year $27.3 million contract that's a lot of money but it also puts him in line with some of the the uh, his Big Ten compatriots he was one of the lowest paid Big Ten coaches before then um, and he's almost beaten some really good teams lately so you know you got to get him got to get him a deal got to improve the facilities and the coaching staff so that he can then go and beat those really good teams but what I did want to talk to you about Indiana was their last bowl win was 1991. And I'm not going to tell you about the year 1991. It's a little too close to 1993. But they owned the longest bowl victory drought of Power 5 teams. That's a long time. Do you know it's, what, 9 plus 21, 30 years? Do you want to know the next longest bowl victory drought in the Power 5? Yeah, Do you know Kansas. who it is? Kansas? No, it's Colorado from 2004. So 13 years is a long time. So I look back, what was the world like in 2008? Because I was alive for that. 
right? I was conscious for that. I have memories from 2008. So I went ahead and I went down memory lane. Do you want to know some of the top songs of 2008? I really do. I really do. Number one was Low by Flo Rida. Do you remember that song? Oh my goodness. Right? That was like peak elementary school. Yeah, the gap between Indiana winning a bowl game and Colorado winning a bowl game was the gap between Low by Flo Rida being the number one song and us living right now. Whatever You Like by T.I. also debuted. I had that song on a playlist for a long time. I think I think I've taken it out. I don't listen to that playlist very often anymore, but it was in there. It's, uh, it's, it's a good song. It's a, it's a, it's a bop. It's and then a lastly, bop. the last one that I wrote down, it wasn't in like the top 10, but uh, I wrote it down because it's from an artist that had staying power. There are a lot of one-hit wonders in 2008, but I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry premiered in two that, or it was in the top 100 in 2008. That's a throwback. Do you want to know the top movies of 2008? Sure. <laughs> Iron Man 1. Iron Man 1. That's a classic. Isn't that when, isn't that like when the Marvel Cinematic Universe started was with Iron Man 1? Correct. Correct. So between the time of the MCU starting and ending in theory with the last Avengers movie, Indiana, that same gap is the same amount of time since they last won a bowl game. Uh, the Dark Knight. Wally and Slumdog Millionaire are some other 2008 movies. Slumdog Millionaire. You know what top TV shows were? The number one and number two top shows were? It's the only one I wrote down. The Office? (laughs) American Idol. No, The Office was like on the brink of cancellation until... Right, no, you're right. Until it became bad. That was Or not bad, but, you know, until it became a peak off. American Idol. American Idol. I used to watch that show all the time. Yeah, Wednesdays and Tuesdays. So good. So good. So scripted, but so good. So I, I mentioned the world's richest man was worth $9 billion. There are currently 1,125 billionaires today, or in the world in 2008. That's less than half as many as there are today. We have doubled our billionaire count since in that same gap of time between since when Indiana last won a bowl game. I bet we continue to, to double our gap in the next 13 years, if not more. Probably. The wealthiest man in 2008 was Warren Buffett at 62 billion. Currently, according to Forbes, uh, looking at, at what I believe are updated numbers, because I remember Musk passed Bezos, but we're back to Bezos being on top because Tesla stock has tanked. And as a Tesla stock owner, Elon, buddy, we need to figure it out here. <laughs> My retirement is counting on you. Uh, <laughs> but Bezos is almost three times as rich as Buffett is right now at 177 billion. And growing up as a Rutgers fan, that 2006 to 2008 stretch, that was peak Rutgers football. Do you want to know, in 2008, they just finished up their season. Do you want to know what they combined for in the three seasons previous? That's that season. Think about how poorly Rutgers has done the last, like, five or six years. They went 27 and 12 from 2006 to 2008. Have they not even won 27 games in the last 13 years? (laughs) They definitely did, because in the American, they were winning between five and nine games a year. And then that first year in the big 12, they went five and seven with a win over Michigan. No big deal. Um, so they definitely have won 27 games in the last 13 years. Um, but they have not won 27 games in the last five years. Uh, that's for sure. So that's uh, that's what I have on Indiana. That's what I have on college football. And then as I took you into a blast from the past, we're going to go to our newest recurring segment. Greg, why don't you take us away with on this day in history and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, on this day in history for March 10th, uh, the day you're listening to this episode, 
1991, uh, Eddie Sutton becomes the first NCAA coach to lead four schools in the playoffs. This is college basketball uh, at stops at Creighton, Arkansas, Kentucky, and then finally in 1991 with Oklahoma State. Uh, Sutton is currently 11th all-time in wins uh, for Division I basketball coaches with 806. And then another one, uh, Walter Alston, the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers manager, is elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, he led the Dodgers to their first four World Series titles, titles excuse me, and he's only one of five managers to win that many titles, um, including Yankee greats Joe McCarthy, Casey Stengel, Joe Torre, and then uh, Connie Mack, who literally managed till he died. So, <laughs> but that is all I have for on this day in history. Uh, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Between the Numbs, capital BTN. You can also follow my stats account. I'm working on a really cool college basketball graphic that I hope to have done before Selection Sunday. So look out for that. Uh, you can follow me on FQ Stats. It's spelled FQ Stats. And don't forget to follow us uh, here on Twitter at Sports Data Pod. Hit, hit the follow button. Uh, look out for our next video. Um, yeah, CJ, where can people find you? Uh, well, I like that you're doing this for me. I don't have to. I like that. I like that you've taken control of the outro. So you can find me at CJ Olson 2000 on Twitter again. I'm trying to say it loud enough so my neighbors hear me and go ahead and follow me because I'm trying to get that follower count up. You can also follow my um, fifth quarter page at FQ underscore SMU. Uh, and then I, you can follow us on Twitter at Sports Data Pod. Again, surprised nobody took that. I just mentioned that whenever I can, that I'm surprised by it. A few things that I have going on. Uh, the fight song rankings have been going on, have been just chugging along. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, uh, part four will have been uploaded for about two days now. Um, usually I upload them on Wednesdays. Uh, there's a little miscommunication with, with uh, the people that post the things, but that's okay. It was, it was a little surprise early drop. No big deal. It's, it is what it is. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, but you can go ahead, check that out. We have gotten to the top uh, 90. I believe I've given you 130 through 91. Uh, the Conference USA has been, uh, I was going to say poorly represented. They've been represented well through 130 to 91. There have been a lot of teams in the bottom half uh, from the Conference USA, but don't worry. Conference USA fans, uh, it turns around, especially some of the some of the good ones, you know, the FIU's, Marshall's. I liked both of those, just spoiler alert. Um, and then another thing I'm working on uh, with at FQ underscore SMU is I'm currently doing a bracket because uh, bracket season equals best season for SMU player of the 21st century. Um, I've gotten some interactions from some professional. Uh, I saw that. I saw that. It's been a lot of fun, you know, getting to interact with with some guys that, you know, I watched, uh, you, know, you know, strap on their, the SMU helmet. And now uh, they're, you know, going at it with their, their fellow Mustangs of, of your uh, Sterling Moore, nine-year NFL veteran was uh, not happy with being an 11th seed, but he ended up losing in the second round to three seed Justin Lawler. So he has nobody to be upset with, but himself, he didn't retweet in the second round. That's on him. Uh, let's see. I mean, Hayden Howerton, the 14 seed, he might end up taking it all the way. He's got an army of supporters behind him. The Howerton family, just the Howerton clan, because it extends past their family. They're just a real supportive bunch. I don't anticipate ever needing another family. You know, my family is very supportive of me as is. But if I need a new family, I feel like they'd welcome me with open arms. Um, 
because they're just a very a, a great bunch. You know, I really like them. He's a 14 seed. He's making a run. It he's going up against uh, Emmanuel Sanders, the two seed, uh, and I believe uh, at time of recording he's up by a vote or two. This is going to drop like right before this round ends. So you can catch the elite eight there each day. Each round lasts for two days, um, and I put them up yesterday. That's pretty much all I've got uh, for this. Um, like I said, remember at Sports Data Pod, we didn't forget this time. Um, I guess that's about it. I mean, yeah, this one, it was a pretty efficient episode. I feel like we got we got what we needed to say. We're excited, very excited about uh, March Madness. Next time you're hearing us, the bracket will be out, but we will not know a winner yet because Selection Sunday is this Sunday, right? Right. So I think next week we can. Yeah, we, we can, can go. Through, we can talk about brackets. it. But we can we can do we can do an intensive intensive. Uh, we can do a bracket deep dive. Like specifically college basketball next week. I think I think that's what people want to hear. Yeah, assuming there isn't something big, you know, the NFL. Like if a, a JJ Watt level story happens, you know, if Deshaun right. Watson gets traded, we'll talk about that for a little bit. But um, for the most part, we won't be talking about uh, what happened in 1993. Don't worry about that. We will be NCAA <laughs> intensive. We'll be NCAA forward. So that's right. Hope you guys are looking forward to that. And until then, uh, Greg, why don't you say goodbye to everybody for us? Yeah. Thanks again, guys, for uh, listening to Show Us the Data, a sports podcast featuring your co-hosts, Greg Harvey and CJ Olson. As always, enjoy the rest of your week and uh, listen to us all the time. Thank you. <laughs> listen to us all the time. That's a good sign off. All the time. All the time.